Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. Oh, and Andy Jacobs. Oh, that's great. You caught him out. I didn't realise he was involved. Uh, and this is the um, H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We were joined by James Lance. He plays Trent Crim from The Independent in Ted Lasso. He's in the new Famous Five on CBBC. What a lovely man. He was. I thought you said we were joined by James Last. Yeah, the James Last and his, uh, yeah. That'd be amazing. There used to be a great musician's gag about James Last. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, go on. They say, used to, what's the difference between a bull... Right, B-U-L-L and the James Last Orchestra. I have no idea. Okay. A bull's got horns at the front, an arsehole at the back. <laughs> it's a good gag, isn't it? It's an old muso gag. Yeah. Sorry if you're a fan of the James Last Orchestra. Just trashed your entire album collection. But it's just it's just an old gag just came to mind because oh, like you met I would I wouldn't normally just chuck that in. Uh yeah, so James was great, it was really interesting. We had a good chat, we learned something else about it's always interesting when Andy tells us about his personal life. He gets some gold. So uh, we had a chat. And um, Todd Macklin had some good stories from the States this week. So he joined us with some weird and wonderful stuff. So um, here it all is. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs with you through until four here on TalkSport. Where this afternoon, Andy, tell us what's coming up. Well, coming up over the next three hours, Stan Collinmore joins us to preview the weekend's game. Sports psychologist Gary Bloom on the star's increasingly difficult relationship with social media. And we'll look at what John Rahm's lived affection means for the future of golf. The actor James Lance, Ted Lasso's Trent Krim from The Independent pops into the studio and we'll bring you the draw for next week's uh, highly anticipated TalkSport dance trophy I'm, live on this show. I think it's been fun. The, goal, the football was very good fun, I think that would be too. There's yeah. all this plus the clips of the week. Martin Kellner's week of sport on TV and chicken nugget based sin binning yeah. <laughs> in Todd Macklin's American Sports Roundup. It's a 10 minute sin binning in the world of ice hockey <laughs> and it's chicken nugget related. Brilliant. We'll tell you more about that uh, a little bit later on. Mm. But it is five minutes past mm. one. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Uh, good afternoon, Paul. I've got some big news for the listeners, actually. I'm uh, I've, After 23 years, I have to announce I am, in fact leaving TalkSport and oh, I'm okay. joining Live Radio. 
Oh, but wow. it's not for the two million a year they're paying me. Of course not. Not at all. It's not. I don't about want anybody that. to think that. It's not about that. It's is for. It? Let me get the quote. It's for the innovation and growth of Live Radio. Yeah. Well, I think we're all in for the innovation and growth of uh, Live Radio. It's amazing. Isn't I it? think you'll go down. Uh, you'll go down a storm in Saudi, Andy. You've got all the prerequisites, I think, to go oh, down yes. an absolute storm in Saudi. I think, I think I will definitely. They'll love you over there. You just. Uh, I can see you going in, sweating up every day when you're going to the studio because it's 150 degrees. <laughs> I'm bad enough in the winter here. Imagine the moaning. <laughs> it's too hot here. Turn well, it all down. Far we, too hot. we can't turn it down. It's the sun. Come on, you've got the money to do that. I said I'd only come here if you could make it a temperate 20 degrees every day. <laughs> Me and Jim. Jim yeah. And what's his name? Infantino. Anyway, uh, you know, I love a tabloid warning. If you've got any other thoughts on live radio, we're prepared to take them from me this afternoon. Um, you want to kick it off and what, what would happen? Com- solid gold microphones. It'd be fantastic, wouldn't Tremendous, it? Tremendous, wouldn't it? And like the, the canteen would be old um, Salt Bay. Every time you just want to pop up for a sandwich, you'd insist on sprinkling gold leaf. I don't want gold leaf on it. It was cheese and tomato sandwich, And mate. the show would only be ten minutes, but yeah. i still get paid a fortune. Yeah, it'd it's be fantastic. Isn't it? I love yeah. it. I love a tabloid warning. I don't know about you. Recently mm. we had, uh, I think we talked about it on the show, incoming Sir Manchester, uh, Manchester United owner Sir Jim Radcliffe yeah. will order Eric Ten Hag to end his feud with Jaden Sancho. You think, he won't really, really, because you can't do that with people. But today in the paper, mm. Neil Custis tells us, Eric Ten Hag warned Sir Jim Radcliffe right. that bringing back Manchester United's glory gaze is, days is football, not gaze, days is football. Glory gaze? You're good at reading out loud, aren't you? <laughs> I learnt from I Alan. Think, I think Alan Brazil. I yeah. go to his school of reading out loud. It's a brilliant school. What helps is the amounts of croissant I put in my mouth, like Marlon Brando. <laughs> Make sure you've got just the right amount of croissant before you read stuff out. Well, we got yeah. Alan's got a few corkers in clips of the week. He was on fire mm. last couple of days, really reading stuff out. Well, there's been so much football on uh, this week. So many games. So it's many a, games. It's so been, many goals. I do like the overlapping game. It allows you to watch. You know, quite. I a don't bit like of the overlapping game when you lose. 2-1 well, and you're no, getting home like the half past game. 11. Well, that's, I'm that's, not so keen on the overlapping game then. But my Amazon stream, I think it's my local conditions, just get buffering and disintegrating made me feel nostalgic for the old days of dial-up yeah <laughs> tremendous <laughs> <laughs> should have listened to it on club call Andy and the other night pound we were, a minute when Arsenal scored I was keeping my son informed basically the conversation went are you watching this he was out actually. yes I said Arsenal are losing 3-2 then it was 3-3 and I was saying well I'm sure well, they'll get one and then careful what you wish for Andy <laughs> yeah and then when they scored that goal you know you just start to think like a lot of people that it is their <laughs> year mm. and I, I said to him I think it's their yeah, for, to win the title. And he said, he said to me, all we can hope for is City adopt points and it becomes a hollow victory. I said to him, wonderfully bitter. You're a real chip off the old block. Yeah. <laughs> block. Your lack of, off the old block. <laughs> the old block. Your lack of Corinthian spirit would make any father proud. Yeah, that's right. That's my boy, he says. Bitter and twisted, just like his old dad. He says he's imparting it to the next generation. If, if, you, if you are a bit of a chip off the old block, with your mm. old mum or your old dad, but it's not a particularly <laughs> good trait. Not a we'd, good chip. we'd love to know what it is. Because I say being bitter and twisted is not a particularly great trait, is it? My dad you? couldn't read out loud either. Yeah, sorry, Kevin. <laughs> Fantastic, yeah. Well, it's tremendous, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, your you dad, do? Reggie Bosenkay. <laughs> oh, you know that story about my dad and Reginald Bosenkay. No, I don't. No, do, do you know, know why that I don't? Story? That's weird. How did your dad know the famous newsreader, Reginald Bosenkay? He, was a, he, was a, he loved wine. <laughs> 
in lots of ways. I but love he loved, wine. I he, love wine. He loved the, the sort of knowledge of wine and the thing. And he was not a, the taste of it. He was what? He, oh, he loved the taste of it. He was what's known as a chevalier. A drunk. De, <laughs> well, he could be, but he was a chevalier de Tastevin. Who was my dad? Harry tried to sign him. <laughs> he did. Kev went and had a look. We had a, a look at this. We flew over. We had a look at this lad, Chevalier de Tastavan, and uh, Kev said he weren't bad, but I'm not sure he's worth five. Daniel wouldn't pay the money, basically. And look at him now. He's gone to PSG and he's worth 50 million quid. And he loved it. And basically, it did amount to drinking a lot of wine at a dinner. They'd have okay. a dinner. Sort of, and Does one, that mean Alan Brazil is a Chevalier de Tastavan? <laughs> I think he is. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear Alan say, <laughs> "Chevalier de Tastavan." He definitely wouldn't be able to say that on one of those mornings when he's had a late night. <laughs> anyway, great, wouldn't it? So yeah. one night I didn't used to go to these things. My this has cheered me up. I was quite miserable this morning, but this has cheered me up, Manny. This and I haven't got to the end of the story yet. No, and so um, basically I went to one of these evenings, and my dad was quite a quiet man, a shy man. Did he spit it into a bucket, or did he swallow it? Oh, yeah, no, he did all that. The oh, he did? They did all really? that, yeah, the tasting and everything. It was quite, to be quite seriously. They had certificates and all this sort of thing, okay. and big medals they used to wear and tasting things. It was all very... Oh, it was quite sort of Masonic in its own the way. Showy, isn't it? It was a bit. I didn't like it, but I, I, he persuaded me to go this evening. Your daddy, I mean, your daddy took you to that, and he took you to the naturist camp in Swiss Cottage. And the Anglo-American Sporting so Club at the Hilton. So you 13-year-old walking around in the buff. <laughs> a very impressionable no age. No I'm so damaged. So, yeah, it's true. This, is all my, this feels a bit like in the psychiatrist's chair. You spent most of your time at wine tasting as a kid, or naked. Quick, get Gary Bloom on early. <laughs> Let's get Gary Bloom on a bit earlier, yeah, the sports psychologist. It's all fair. Just lie down there on the couch. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he used to like inviting sort of you know quite well-known people along to the lodge or whatever it was. Mm. And I don't know how it came about, but Reginald <laughs> Bosenkett. Well, you are listening to Talksport, by the way. <laughs> he did yeah. ask me. News. He was a newsreader, kids. He was like the top newsreader. He was. Yeah, but he did like a tipple. Okay, you may not have known that. I think right. you did actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think most people did. Anyway. In fact, the other thing is his great-grandfather <laughs> invented the, the googly in cricket. Did Reginald, he? Well, yeah. Reginald Bosenkett's great-grandfather invented These are a the... lot of interesting facts about a bloke that about 80% of you have never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Don't tell me, me. Very true. It's very Keep true. Going. So my father introduced me to uh, Reginald Bosenkett, but it was the most oh, drunken, drunken introduction I've ever seen. He said, Oh, this, this is my son. <laughs> he said, yeah. How are you, at Reginald Bosenkett? And Reginald Bosenkett said, Oh, it was like, Tommy Cooper. Was he there? <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Drunken. Anyway. Drunken conversations. My missed opportunity was uh, one of these, I think it was a BAFTA do when I was working on TV, Burt, we went along. Mm. And I, we might have won something, so we'd had a few drinks. And I'd never met uh, Steve Pemberton of uh, the oh, League, League of Gentlemen Gen- inside yeah. number nine. Mm. Uh, Reese Shearsmith's been a few times, lovely mm. guy, but I'd never met Steve and I've always wanted to. Mm. So, you know, a bit of bravado. Um, I, I thought, OK, I've had a drink, but I'll go over. And I got there and he was as drunk as me. It was marvellous. <laughs> so the two of us, oh, 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 what a wasted opportunity. People you only met when you were drunk. Uh, talk sport. <laughs> Let Andy tell the story, says one of the listeners. <laughs> it's better to be interrupted because there's not much of a story. Yeah, basically, see? It was basically a drunken introduction between my dad and Reginald Bosenkett. It fizzled out ultimately, <laughs> yeah, didn't it? Like most of my anecdotes, yeah. let's be honest. That's right. That's why he's never been on Piers Morgan. <laughs> anyway, what about Spurs? <laughs> 
Well, it's funny enough, we haven't got enough time. That was beautiful delaying tactics. That's the kind of time-wasting that Nick Pope would be proud of. It's absolutely beautiful. And we are going to discuss it with Stan. Needless to say, we played in front of West Ham for most of the game. Some beautiful little triangles, but most of it going nowhere. Oh, the Spurs was started it? so fast, I thought they were playing They did, really but they did well. against Chelsea, and they have in quite a lot of yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it doesn't incredible. really seem to have any particular end product at the moment. It was very really frustrating. To be fair, West Ham played well in the second half. They did, they half, did play well. sort of terrible... Anton Ferdinand was in yesterday. block style that they've got, and but Char- it worked. Charlie asked him what was West Ham's blueprint for winning, and he more or less, you know, they soaked it up, they took advantage of the, op- the opportunities they had, they, they did ride their luck, and they got a lucky a couple of times on breaks, but they've got good players, mm. and, you know, good players in, in getting good positions, they can finish. It becomes all about mistakes. I mean, two horrible mistakes by Trippier, and then that game's over, and the same for Spurs, two defensive, especially the second one. The first one was a little bit fortunate with the way it ricocheted to, <laughs> what's his name? But there you go. Adrian's been Bowen. in touch. He said, hope Chevalier de Tastevan takes over Everton and becomes chairman. And Jim can get him on his show and uh, say things like, this man, Chevalier de Tastevan, and we can get it in the clips. Thank you, Adrian. Adrian, back tomorrow. Taking, Not a bad idea. Taking you round the grounds. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Good afternoon, Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Uh, the BBC are bringing back uh, the famous five mm. to uh, CBBC and playing Uncle Quentin is uh, someone will be probably best known from his role as uh, Trent Crim from The Independent, the journalist and ghostwriter in uh, Ted Lasso. James Lance, good afternoon. James, good to see you. Good afternoon. It's good to be here. Let's start talking a bit about uh, the famous five. Mm. Were you a fan? Had you had you read the books before, or they were kind of a bit, you're a bit young, aren't you? To have got into those as a kid. Oh, thank you very much. Well, <laughs> I, I, um, yeah, I did get into them as a kid. I grew up in uh, the countryside in Somerset, so a lot of my early childhood was spent sort of climbing trees and looking for secret uh, tunnels and that kind of thing. So when I uh, came across the famous five, it really did speak to me. Yeah, it was good. And that. I mean, it's he's, he's a bit of a kind of irascible old devil, hasn't he? Been in the past. I mean, over the years, you've got to have a, you've got to be a bit bad tempered at time to play it. Yeah, that's right. But I I kind of looked at it from a different point of view now, obviously, because mm. um, from his point of view, is that the, the, the that's kind of coming from um, you know the view of the children. You know what I mean? Mm. That he's this sort of irascible, irritable. Uh, guy and um, so I was looking into why he might be like that and now that I'm an adult I sort of ha- had my reasons for that and he's a little softer in this one. Oh, okay yeah so is... fun where did you film it or was it we filmed it mainly um, in Wales and Cornwall right okay mm. this is the third TV adaptation of this I yeah think. so mm. not bother... including the comic strip I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah. did you bother to go and look at those or did you just the comic strip yeah, I... no, 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 no. I'm not sure that's a good idea no, probably not CBBC uh, do you know what? I didn't watch the, uh, the the original versions, actually. No, I had a look at the book, um, one of the uh, books, and then just went in on, on the script that we've got now. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I just love playing this role. It was so much fun working. You know they say don't work with children and animals. Mm, yeah. I'm definitely here to say work with children and animals. <laughs> yeah, it was so much fun. The, the, the This young cast are just phenomenal. Well, you were a child actor, James. I was indeed, so right. I had a little bit of an effect. CV is amazing. You've done a lot of work, which is good for an actor, isn't it? Yes, of course. It's better than doing no work, I guess, <laughs> for an actor, so. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been, I have been very lucky. You know, I've been doing it for 39 years professionally now. I was 10 years old when I did my um, first uh, job, actually down in Somerset doing a film for the for the BBC. Um, what was the big break? What was the first big role? 
Probably, maybe it was playing Safi's boyfriend in an episode of Absolutely Fabulous right. um, when I was about 18. Mm. And I, that was when I first worked with the mighty uh, luminescent Joanna Lumley. Oh. And I fell completely and utterly in love with her. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I worked with her a couple of times since then. And, I, and it turns out I'm still in love with her. Yeah, it <laughs> was amazing. Great. Yeah, really uh, wonderful. And you had that wonderful role in, in that early series of Alan Partridge as well, didn't you? Which was a, yes. a great part. Uh, yeah, that was amazing. One of the staff in Alan's hotel. That's right. I was the uh, hotel porter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, one of the great things about that show was it was actually filmed in front of a live audience and not a lot of people um, mm. realised that because it was sort of, you know, fly on the wall dock. But they would kind of put the walls in uh, to hide the audience and, and then take them out, you know, whenever they could see it. Yeah. So that was nice. You were like Sally Phillips' love interest, weren't you? And But I always wondered because yeah. she would laugh at him. And I thought from her point of view for the gig, she must have wanted to laugh anyway. So she had a perfect excuse to in the script, didn't I, she? I, I mean, I, I can't speak for Sally, but I imagine that did probably come from the fact that she just found him hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. When uh, We can't say what was written on the side of the car, but it, it, was, it was you he asked, I think, to try and get it off the side of the car. That's right, it? yeah. I think the last bit it said was Partridge. Partridge, we yeah. can say Partridge. Yeah. <laughs> but Ted Lasso, has, I'm sure, has been very good to you, isn't it, Trent Crim? Yeah, it has. I mean, it's been an amazing journey to be on this show, you mm. know, because people have just taken it into their hearts. They just absolutely love it. So... If I bump into people on the street, they look at me like, oh, Trent Grimm, you know. And <laughs> sort of all their love for the show just like explodes, you know, because they're not expecting to see someone come out of the telly. It's got a heart, hasn't it? That's the whole thing. It's got yeah. a big heart, yeah, and it, and it's, and it comes from the heart. And I, I've said this recently, but it, I think what comes from the heart goes to the heart, and so it really has landed with people in a, in a very beautiful way. He softens, doesn't he, Trent, he does. over that's, the period? That's a good point, Andy, yeah. He's, the role changes, doesn't it, really? One of the great things about those creators is they take every every role on it, if you look at it, they, 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 will, they will kind of grow grow every every character in in that show mm. and originally i think i was only going to be in about one or two episodes and um they saw something they liked there and then we just sort of you know grew it out from there and i mean i couldn't believe it when they told me at the end of season two they said oh you're going to be back in season three oh by the way you're going to be writing a book on the mm. team and you're going to be in the locker room yeah. and following them around i was like what yeah great because he starts mm. off as kind of a sort of aloof you know, sort pompous. of arched eyebrow, yeah. pompous, broadsheet, broadsheet journalist, reporter. trying yes. to take Ted apart because he doesn't know anything about football. Absolutely. And but then, as you said, it, it develops, and and we see a little bit of heart with him and his relationship with the players. And the more he gets involved, say from your point of view, to that must have been a lovely call when you found out that your part was going to be so much bigger in the in the show. It was amazing, you know. And I kind of like when I when I got the role, I was like, why, why is he such a? I mean, because there was just something funny about Trent Crim. The Independent, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. it's just so ridiculously the name, <laughs> the name itself, so Dickensian, and, and it just had this weight to it. I was like, okay, he's got to have that kind of a voice, and it just made me laugh. That I, I sort of saw it as a, like a musical riff, you know, Tread Crim, you know, yeah, just yeah. A, a thing. And um, but I was looking at why he might be like that, you know, and I was kind of looking at characters a bit like Will Self and Christopher Hitchens, these kind of you know, people that say things are just so self assured with their mm. opinion. And uh, and I kind of worked out that he, I, I felt my my little backstory was that he had a bit of a tough dad who wanted wanted him to be a, a, like a man's man and like a really great athlete, somebody like you know um, Roy Kent. Yeah. And as we know, Trent uh, is not. It was not that. And no. so he kind of took himself off to the library and donned an intellect to kind of. <laughs> you know, kind of like cut his way through, you know, mm. and he just took it quite far. And actually, I think that was his, like, pushback against his dad, you know what I mean, to uh, 
to kind of you know show that he's got some weight and That's throw it around. That's fascinating that you do that as an actor. You know, it's really a lot of people would think you just get the script and you read it or you act it, but that's interesting that you do that sort of research and build a backstory. Yeah, yeah. thank you. That for me, that's the sort of one of the big joys of the job. You know, working out why somebody is the way they are. And actually, one of the other things that was amazing for me is I, I knew I had this sort of you know imagined memory of him. You know that uh, thing at school when you're. Well, this might not have happened to you, gentlemen, but it certainly <laughs> happened to me when um, they're picking teams. Mm. And then you're, you're the last one yeah. there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's horrible, isn't it? <laughs> it's that's harsh, just absolutely. Isn't it? That is such a harsh moment. Mm. And I knew that little Trent Crim was uh, not the first to be picked on the team. (laughs) And so that kind of created this need that he actually wanted to belong to a team. And and, um, so in episode uh, season three, when he gets brought into the locker room, it's like, that's actually all he's ever wanted to be is part of a team. And mm. of course, what happens to him... I think there's a lot him, of truth in that too. Yeah. yeah. And then actually what happens to him on his journey is he does kind of get pulled in and they, mm. you know, and even to the point where they take him in as a diamond dog, you know, in the, in the back room there. It was um, it was a real joy to, to, to play that. And yeah. because it, it's been a kind of global mm. success, you know, there was I saw a little clip the other day with you talking about the fact that William Shatner, when he went up into space the other day, said, I'm not going to talk to any journalists about this. I'll only speak to Trent Crim. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. And you know what it made me think? I was like, so in, in really, I've actually been into space in the mind of Captain Kirk. Yeah. Haven't I? I've yeah. actually managed, or Trent Grimm has, but yeah. I, as I'm playing him, I guess I've been... You wouldn't think a sort of 90-year-old uh, actor like him would be the sort of target audience necessarily for, for um, Ted Lasso. But, it's but it's incredible, isn't it? I yeah. guess it shows you the range that this this that show speaks to. Yeah. And has yeah. that given you, a, as you say, a kind of notoriety, whereas you could probably wander around Tesco's, but when you're in a big show like that does it does it change a bit do you find yourself getting sort of stopped a bit more than you did very much so if i'm in america it, right. the, the show is really big in america mm. uh, yeah wow. i was walking around in new york earlier in the year and I, I like to walk when i'm in cities and stuff and um i realized that i had to sort of factor in another 10 15 minutes for kind of selfies wow. and i was like wow i'm factoring in fame time that is bizarre <laughs> you know, I, I don't see myself at all as famous or anything like that but it's but other people do yeah. you know because of the show so it's a strange um uh, it's a strange thing, but everyone's so positive. It's lovely. And the way and the oh, way it finished, Andy hasn't seen the final series. There's no spoilers. No, no, I'm in the middle. I've, oh, I've okay. got to the point where Trent and Roy Roy accepts oh, him. That's a really yeah, good yeah, episode. Yeah. Oh, great! Right when he corners him in the in the yeah in the, yeah, in the shower. <laughs> but the way the series concludes and the way it kind of catches everybody up, but it's a beautiful ending. It's, yeah, it was. And it, it was it was just very very well done, I think, wasn't it? They pulled it off, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those last couple of episodes really, really were satisfying, I think. Mm. Mm. So there won't be. I mean, spin-offs. I and mean, could there be a, a young Trent Crim spin-off? Didn't mean Crim the early years. Crim <laughs> <laughs> Minor. That would be yeah. That would, <laughs> the but, secret diary of Trent I mean, they, Crim. They've talked about spin-offs. Inside, that's always high risk, isn't it? Really. I guess it, it yeah, it, mm. it would be. I mean, but who knows? You know, I mean, look at Frazier off the back of um, yeah, Cheers, yeah. one of the finest sure, comedies true. of all time. So, yeah. I, you know, I, you could definitely have a Kent or something like that, I think. Yeah. Be very careful saying that. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, I, did, I did quite well there, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> what about the awards ceremony side of things? I mean, they've, yeah. it's been. Well, yeah, let's talk awarded. about those. Yeah. <laughs> Are they fun? They good... must be Emmy, the Emmys. Have you ever been before? I have because I was, I was actually nominated for oh, sorry, uh, season two. Oh, yeah. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, I, I I didn't win. Nathan Lane won it, and um, which was you know I'm thrilled for, for him. And um, 
To be honest with you, uh, to be nominated for an Emmy was... I, I, I mean, I still... I don't... It was just a shock. I this was know. for Ted Lasso? This yeah. was for, oh, wow. for... Yeah, for Trent, yeah. Wow. Um, and I think uh, the, the show, the first season was nominated for 21, the second 21, and I think this season three has been nominated for 22 wow. Emmys. It's some, it's, I think it's about 60-odd Emmys, uh, noms. Um, so it's, it's quite an extraordinary thing. And, but I guess... You know, that's kind of every department that's getting um, recognised. And, mm. and it's a, yeah. So that would be why, I guess, a spin-off could be a little bit tricky because yeah. there's all that amazing chemistry on yeah. the And what is, what is next for you then, James? What, what else have you got coming up beyond Famous Five? Well, obviously there's the Famous Five. So th- this one, um, it actually comes out tomorrow. Yeah, um, 5.25, isn't it? That's um, the one, on CBBC. And on the iPlayer. Then on the iPlayer, and then it's on BBC One on New Year's Eve at 11.30am. Oh, excellent. Which, um, oh, yeah, on BBC One. So that's quite exciting. Mm. And I'm really, really excited about this uh, this show. The yeah. children, the famous five, um, and Timmy the dog, uh, they've, they've got real magic. They're phenomenal. Um, is it a real dog? It's definitely a real dog. Animatronic. No, it definitely dog. is a real CGI dog. dog. <laughs> yeah, what a yeah. cricketer he was. A tremendous player. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's coming out, um, yeah. and there's three of those, three films. So oh, this okay. one is the first one, and then I think the next one. Might so how long? They were sort of hours, or they're ninety minutes. They're proper oh, wow. features. Yeah, wow. and they say kids have got no attention span. We'll find out. Won't we, we will find out, <laughs> and I, I think the whole family potentially should should really enjoy this because yeah. it, it's it goes quite dark. It's not just okay. a kids show. It's you know it's led by kids, but. Um, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of uh, interesting content going on in there. Good yeah. stuff. Well, lovely to see you, James. Appreciate you coming in. Mm. Absolute pleasure, uh, James. Thank you very much. That's James Lance. There. Go and check it out. It's playing Uncle Quinton in the remake on uh, CBBC of the famous five. As we five twenty-five uh, tomorrow, it'll be on CBBC and on the iPlayer. You can watch it at leisure, or also air on BBC One between Christmas and New Year. Two more episodes to follow next year. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, at the top of the show, uh, Andy told us uh, a pretty long story about uh, his dad. It got longer. It did get longer. I, I did the interrupt end. once or <laughs> twice. But it was a story about his dad being a bit of a wine connoisseur and his dad. Uh, in fact, he was a Chevalier de Testavan. Yes, very much so. No, me neither. But um, <laughs> one of the listeners was uh, James in Peterborough said, uh, my father is an, uh, a tremendous cheese connoisseur, he says. Oh, right. And he will only eat it if it's served at room temperature. Mm. It was a constant source of embarrassment for my brother and I. In our younger years, when my dad would ask the waiting staff, is the cheese out of the fridge? <laughs> Which, for me, is a spectacular euphemism for trumping, isn't it? I'm definitely going to be using that in years to come. Rum, is the cheese out of the fridge? Yes, yeah, sorry, lads, that was me. Um, well, anyway, to that question, is the cheese out of the fridge? When he was asked uh, if he would like anything for afters whilst dining out, uh, the waiting staff generally would supply... Uh, sorry, would reply, no. And our dad would sneer in disgust and simultaneously slam the menu shut and decline a third course. Wow. I'm now in my early 30s, and whilst out last week with my family, I inexplicably found myself asking (laughs) the very same question that my father (laughs) used to ask. He gave it the full, is the cheese out the fridge? Much to my disgust. (laughs) Luckily, the restaurant served cheese room temperature 
and we had a very good cheese board. Well, the reason we brought this up is that Andy's uh, son, one of Andy's sons, um, was incredibly upset when Arsenal scored the winner the other day and was very bitter and twisted about the, the winner against Luton. And Andy said how incredibly proud he was. <laughs> That's my boy. So I wonder if you are a chip off the old block and you've got certain traits that you've inherited from your parents... Mm. That um, yeah, that aren't particularly great. <laughs> I was I, I was taking it was our anniversary actually. I sent us to the Manoir aux Quatre Saisons. Oh, that's nice. Yes, Ramon Blanc's posh place in beautiful. Oxford. It's yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful. It is, and uh, but it was it was ever so slightly pretentious because when the cheese board came round, which was yeah. the bloke honestly said he said the Comte has been stored at a height of nine feet. Really? Yeah. Who cares? What difference would that make? Really? Yeah. I, I, we've, we've, um, so Peter Crouch couldn't lean and get some. Our old mate Michel Roux uh, pops on, Michel Roux Jr. at times. Mm. He's a big Manchester United fan. We see him at Cheltenham yeah, quite yeah. often. I was very lucky once for a friend's special birthday. We mm. we, we, we pushed the boat out. We went to La Gavroche's wonderful oh, yeah, restaurant lovely, in town. Yeah. It was very expensive. But it was the best meal I've ever had, really. Right. Okay. Yeah, Sensational. And but at one point we had the old wine taste. The old sommelier would come around. We did the paired wines. You're going to do it. You're only going to do it once. Do it in style. Oh yeah. So he would come round, and we had this red about three courses. You get a little the food sensation. You get small amounts, you know. Mm. School. So the wine comes round. This red, and we're trying it. We're saying well, that's interesting. It's sort of a chilled red. It must be, must be. So the sommelier comes around. He said, uh, uh, "And how's the wine? How's it paired with the uh, with the course there?" We said, yes, yeah, interesting that it's a slightly chilled red. And he went, mm. sorry? We said, yeah, I feel it's a bit colder. And he put his hand on the bottle and he said, okay, I'll just take that away a moment. And off he went to the bottle. <laughs> and I think he went for Sir Alex <laughs> Ferguson. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we didn't hear pots and pans flying about because, but we What's could the see it's a food process. We could he see went full food he went full. He had the controlled in, in his eyes. He was he was livid, and then he came back with another another glass of it. You know, it was and, warm, and it was, well, it was um, room so I'm sorry about that. But uh, wow. I'm sure someone you have to look at. Well, it's good that you said so. Otherwise, well, I mean, never we, have known. we thought we, we didn't have a clue, did we? You know, no. we just take no. We would have drunk anything. But um, anyway, I think with that, but we digress. You are listening. A talk sport. And who have you met drunk? Is nothing, nothing to be proud of. I met Jean-Paul Gaultier in Hotel in Capri, says one of the listeners. I was drunk. Um, he was also a bit drunk. We had a conversation through a minder type of chap. I can't remember any of it. I'm sure he doesn't either. But there you go. Well, yeah, do tell that one on Piers Morgan when you appear on What there. a great anecdote. Yeah, very good. What about old Ray Reardon? You see that story today? Ray Reardon. Ray Reardon. Ray Reardon. 91 years young. Yes, tremendous. And still playing a bit of snooker for fun. And he got 100 break. Isn't that brilliant? It is absolutely brilliant. What's amazing, though, is that Ray was always known as Dracula due to his spectacular hairstyle, which yeah. was very much like Count Dracula. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> so, so called because of... Yeah. <laughs> It was. Yeah. And he had a sort of peak, a Dracula-esque peak. Yeah. Uh, now, though, his hair's just flat. I don't know what's happened to it. Look. Look at this. He's gone flat. It's sort of like he brushes well, he's it He's 91. Forward. Well, I know, but you've got you think 91-year-old hair. But you'd imagine that the hair would still have that same shape or, you know. Yeah. Well, look, he's, maybe that's a question that Andy and Darren can put to him later. He's going to be on drive. Is he? Yeah, he's going to, he's going to join oh, the boys really? on okay. drive. Oh, well, Isn't that brilliant? So find out more. Yeah. What, at 91, still to yeah. you have all the faculties and the eye to mm. get a hundred break. I suppose it's just, you know, it's just in him, isn't it, really? He's done it so many times. He lives in Torquay. There we are, the producers mm. perked up. Lives in Torquay these days. But you'll hear from the legend that is Ray Reardon in Drive. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast.
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. <laughs> Time then to look at the wheel. Pardon? The world of American sports. <laughs> wheel. Well, the world of American sports, <laughs> as they say in the States. Uh, Tom Macklin joins us as always. Good afternoon, Todd. Hi, boys. Very quickly, that song, so appropriate. Uh, Shohei Otani, arguably one of the most famous baseball players at the moment, arguably one of the best, hmm. uh, making his free agent decision on where he's going to play Ooh. starting next year. The Toronto Blue Jays, where the city that I uh, uh, live in, uh, apparently one of the finalists that he could choose to sign a long-term contract with. It appears to be down to the Blue Jays, the LA Dodgers, the back to the LA Angels, or the San Francisco Giants. Wow! So, do you, do you think pretty, he can pretty big news? Carry on. He said, "This is the guy that pitches and bats, isn't it? It's very unusual these days. Do you think he can carry on doing that?" So he. The hitting, uh, Andy, I think he can carry on doing it at the level he has. I mean, he's won the MVP the last two years. Uh, he's going to have surgery on his arm, so he's not going to pitch next season. But the hope is that he will be back pitching after that. But the hitting should continue. And just the impact he has on the game and that Japanese market. Mm. You know, people are talking about he could get $60 million a year in this contract. And, but people point to the fact that he can generate you 25 to 30 million in merchandise sales, wow. increase attendance, all the different things that he can do for your baseball club. And most importantly, make it better on the field that you can contend for a World Series. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll discuss mm. that next week. Uh, on to the NBA. And uh, our own Charlie Baker has fallen in love with a game, having uh, gone to a, 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 a game over in uh, in the States recently in New York. So he was telling me about the in-season tournament, which I didn't know a great deal about. No, it's kind either. of... They've talked about it for a long time, kind of designed to keep eyes on basketball when the NFL season overlaps. So we got to the final in Vegas at the weekend. Uh, they've got a couple of... Uh, well, certainly one big-hitting finalist. So um, how's it gone down generally? What have the fans of uh, b- basketball made of it, Todd? 
I think it took a while to get used to it because this is a brand new thing. Um, but again, for the markets that your team's doing well, and it's Indiana against the LA Lakers in the final, in those markets, it's gone down really well. Um, so you you nailed it, Paul. Uh, the NBA traditionally has seen their ratings really start to grow um, after the NFL regular season is finished in in, in December. It's you know it, it's when a lot of fans start to notice them because um, the the NFL just takes so many of the eyeballs of the sports fan. So what they they did was you know introduce this in season tournament and the FA Cup was kind of a big thing that they looked at mm. now it's different you're not having minor league teams play the nba teams like the fa cup but it's this in-season tournament left like an fa cup that just gives just something else for fans to look at rather than just the 82 games because a lot of our sports over here you really focus on the playoffs but a lot of times the regular season games don't feel as important so this was a chance to make the regular season games feel important by making them as part of this tournament. And again, the finals are in Vegas. Each player gets $500,000, which I know, you know, LeBron James makes 40 million a year, but the guy, the 12th guy on the team, a lot of them, they don't make that money. So mm. it is a lot of money to them. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, mm. That's uh, Saturday. Saturday, Vegas, tomorrow yeah. night is the final in Vegas. Now, so a couple of strange stories. Um, <laughs> this in college basketball, Purdue Fort Wayne versus Southern Indiana. And one of the Purdue players, Rashid Bellow, lost a shoe but was still defending <laughs> in the game. Amazing. So he picks it up to pull it on, but he still needs to defend. So he blocks a shot. The guy's trying to fire the ball into the net. He blocks the shot and he's holding the shoe in his hand. And it's almost like you are the NBA referee. It's are amazing the that it isn't referee. legal. You think, because he's. The shoe is a bigger span than his hand. Yeah, that's so right. It's he's, an advantage. He's a, he's a big lad. He's wearing a big shoe. It's People a good, will start doing this. It's probably a size 13. So <laughs> it blocks. There's a great still of it, if you go and check it out, of the shoe being held against the ball as the guy tries to shoot. But it is legal as long as he doesn't let go of the shoe and throw it at the ball, Todd, apparently. It was. And, and, and listen, it's put uh, the player now into the kind of stratosphere that people are taught while well, we're talking about them, yeah. but also <laughs> coaches, other people in the league. Those are the things that get you noticed. We talk about, you know, when you're kind of trying to make a team or move to the next level, you do something a little extra. This is a little extra because most people would have tried to put the shoe back on, would have tried to call a timeout or whatever. This guy, no, I got to defend. I got the shoe. And he's a size 12. Oh, right. So, you know, okay. I know you, so he just, and as you said too, as long as you don't let go of it, as long as you don't throw it, you can hang on to it. You could have had, you could have had both shoes in each <laughs> of your hands and gone up and do it. Uh, and it's great. It's a great moment for the for the young man. Yes, yeah, so I once saw Shaq's shoes in a, a it was oh. in a cafe size twenty three. I think they were. Yeah, wow, really. Maybe mate, nobody would have score on him if he had the yeah. shoe. He's <laughs> Be like clown shoes. Um, anyway, another strange story. This is again in this minor league ice hockey. This is the Toledo Walleye. You ever had that, Andy? The Toledo Walleye? <laughs> yeah, it's, quite, it's quite painful. And the Kalamazoo Wings. I think I had a, a bucket of those ones Delicious. in Kalamazoo. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the water, they brought, they invited a load of kids in from local schools to watch. It was a sort of special promotion. And one of the kids got a bit overexcited and lobbed a chicken nugget onto the ice. Mm. So one of the walleye players thought, we can't have, you know, that on there. So he kind of scoops it up on the stick and, and sort of lobbed it, yeah. lobbed it, flicked it back over mm. uh, the, uh, the, the uh, glass. Hmm. I then got uh, 
ten minute misconduct charge. <laughs> for throwing stuff into the crowd. Yeah, that is the hockey rule. And, and, you know, one of the most famous was was Matt Sundin, who was a star player for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He broke his stick. And instead of just dropping it to the ice, he kind of just flew it, uh, flung it over glass. This was, yeah, 2004. Hmm. He got suspended a game for it because the rule in the NHL and in most leagues is you can't, they don't want anything thrown from the ice into the crowd. They just don't. They got to protect the fans. If a fan does it, they'll kick him out of the building. They may charge him, whatever. But the players, it, it is, you know, as I said, it's a, it's a, it was a one-game suspension in the NHL. It's a 10-minute misconduct in this league. And I know a, t- a chicken nugget isn't considered, you know, equipment, but it's just they've got to do something to make sure players know you can't throw anything back over. Wow. Uh, and so this is, I think, the first time we've ever talked about, uh, and maybe in the history of these games, a chicken nugget penalty and a, a blocked shoe. I think it's the first time I've seen it in both sports. Did he get a sponsorship deal from McDonald's? You'd imagine I'd like to think, really. yeah, one of the, or somebody from the, in the chicken business are going to throw him a few quid. And finally, now Steph Curry, uh, one of the greats of the game, Golden State, uh, he appeared on a TV show on Showtime in the States, uh, headliners with Rachel Nichols, and uh, she revealed that uh, he single-handedly has upped the quality of popcorn at <laughs> NBA, NBA stadiums around the country. He's very serious about his popcorn, as he explained. Listen to this. You get to the arena, that's the first thing I'm looking for. Is mm-hmm. I usually have it either inside or just outside the locker room, like a little stash that of the home arena's uh, popcorn. So I'd, then it became a thing where I started to rate them. Yeah. And, uh, Not just like, year, like this is good or bad. No, I had a whole, you I had had a whole chart. printout, a whole chart. You a had quality, quality temperature, control, uh, presentation. saltiness, butter, yeah. crunch, <laughs> uh, the temperature, the portion size. Yeah. Then I just went through the, the, the whole uh, league that year and ranked them. Yeah, rank them all. The quality of, of their popcorn. And what's happened is... Surely it's just popcorn, isn't it? How different no, no, it no. Be? Because a lot of them are sort of made in-house and the, and the popcorn chefs, the popcorn suppliers, took to heart what his marks were. Really? And they've upped their game, apparently. And that that's only that's better for the consumer as well as the player. Yeah, I guess the question, Paul, is... Um, did they only improve the bag that they gave this Steph Curry, uh, or did they improve a good, good everyone's yeah. bag? But listen, it's not good enough that Steph Curry has revolutionized the game of basketball with how he's played it. He may, as you point out, may have revolutionized the quality of popcorn in <laughs> NBA arenas. And, and, may, and let's be honest, for, for the average fan like us, that's much more important, yeah. is it not, that our popcorn is better? Because we're paying... Ten dollars a bag for it now, right? At uh, wow, at wow. most arenas. Well, that's you want a, the good stuff. Well, if he can't get in on his basketball prowess into the Hall of Fame, maybe that will be. Maybe that will tip him <laughs> over. Popcorn is one of the most overpriced things. I mean, ten dollars worth of popcorn probably costs about ten cents or yeah. fifty cents. Big We're in the wrong game, Andy. That's we a, be in the the three of us all have a chat after the show. Get in the popcorn <laughs> business with Steph Curry. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll reach out to his people. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Adam Brazil talking darts. Stay with us for the final hour of this morning's breakfast show. We'll join the studio with Darts Royalty. Five-time world champion uh, Raymond Vanderbilt.
<laughs> Raymond, Raymond the fan belt. Come on, let's no, please. Let's have uh, your car parts based sports stars. I'll kick you off with Franz Carburetta. Yeah, John Parts. Yeah, John, John Parts. It could be darts going there. You've only got 10 minutes. Go on, well, do your worst. Talksport.com, text 1889, tweet TSH and J. Take us home with some fantastic. Nonsense. Fill the power steering Taylor. Beautiful. They're off. No, we said come on. <laughs> That's good. Michael Van Gearbox. I mean, I said, people are doing well done. That was uh, that was Lewis in <laughs> Barry St Edmunds. Uh, uh, Greg Halfords. We've strayed from darts with Philbert the Fox, well, Jeff Peters. Ridiculous. Typical of Topper. Um, Cliff Lazarenchko. You've gone into tools as opposed to car parts, really. Although you would need a wrench to, to do some mechanics uh, dance. And he knows his darts, I'll give you that. Vout Exhaust. Uh, that's uh, Rich in Bromley, car parts. <laughs> Don good. Clutchingson from Brian. That was Rich in Bromley, that one. Um, Go Windscreen Price, says Joe. Norwich fan. <laughs> Benito Carburetta. Uh, beat Route 66. Good. Rear Axle Vitzel. Not so bad. Um, Michael Van Gearbox, very good. Lewis, is, did he give us that one already? Yeah. We had that one, haven't we? Yeah, I like that one. So anyway, thank you for all of those. We probably exhausted them. Yeah. David, so good we did them twice. Eric Bristobar says, Dance, he's back again. Um, and uh, we'll let things round. Our own Nigel Adderley commentator gives us Axel Vitzel and Kemar Sunroof. We'll call it a day. No, no, I've got one more that Go you've got to then. get in. It's from Craig. He says, what about Bruno Martin's Indicator? Beautiful. Thank you very much. And, and on that, thank you, Alan, for the, that, that rich seam in the last 20 minutes of the show from the clips of the <laughs> what week. What a player he was, rich seam. Good player, rich seam, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon show. We'll reconvene on Monday with Danny Kelly. Plenty more uh, Champions League, sorry, Premier League football to get involved in. Do hope you can join us then. And don't forget, next Friday, it's the big darts. We'll be at the darts tournament, the big talk sport in-house darts. So, have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on talk sport. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.